My name is Kelsey. And my name is April. And this is the Taste Buds Podcast. A podcast where we, registered dietitians, answer your burning nutrition questions. And talk all things food, cooking, research, and wellness. So sit tight and enjoy this taste of nutrition from a couple of buds. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the second episode of the Taste Buds podcast. Yay! Hello, everyone. How are we're happy we to have you guys here. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Thank you so much for coming back. <laughs> yeah. um, if you guys have any feedback from our first episode, please let us know. Actually, you know what I realized after recording and listening to our first episode? Is that I say the word um a lot and I say I love that a lot. I say <laughs> I know a lot, which is awful. That is a terrible thing to say a lot. No, I mean, it's not. Yes, I, yeah, I think it makes it me sound so um, like I think I'm really knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that at all when I was listening to it. Also, and I just did it. I realize I've touched my hair maybe 15,000 times. So that's the first time I've had myself on camera for maybe an hour. And I noticed just how many times I touched my hair. So bear with us, guys. We are new at this. Yes. <laughs> this is a learning experience. I'm really going to work on not saying um. And I love that. Kelsey's going to work on not saying I know and touching her hair. It's come along for the ride with us. Yeah, we already know. You don't have to tell us <laughs> when there's things like that. We got it. So it's okay. So Kelsey, since you're 20 hours ahead of me, Mm -hmm. I'm in Arizona in the US, Mm -hmm. if anybody doesn't know. And Kelsey is all the way in New Zealand. So she is 20 hours ahead of me right now. It's Thursday in Arizona. And it is Friday in New Zealand. So what is Friday like? How's Friday going? Friday's fabulous. Tell me what I have in my future. Um, Well, (laughs) Friday in New Zealand means that we are, well, at least where I'm in Auckland, we are in step one of level three of lockdown, which is ridiculous, oh, but wow. I know step it's, one? it's been step one of level three. It's like two points, two, two and yeah. two thirds of the way. I don't know. I, it's, it's right now, like we're allowed to go and catch up with friends oh, <laughs> in good. a park, socially distanced. We have to be outside um, and we can see friends and family, which mm-hmm. we have some family here, but well, my Will's family, um, So we can do that, but there's a lot of things that aren't open. Mm -hmm. So it's very slow transition, which has been tough, but it's getting closer to summer. It really feels like spring. Um, And yeah, so everything's been great. We're jumping into summer, (laughs) spring. I'm excited. Although Kelsey is about to come to the U.S. for El Tour de U.S. (laughs) I am. Her family. So you're going to go from summer right to winter. Yes. Well, I'm, I'll be there in about two weeks now. Eh, two, it'll be so exciting. I'll actually be at your house when we release our third episode. Maybe we'll have to do something live when we're together or our first so. episode when we're together. I definitely think so. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm flying in on the 24th and then I'm stopping over at April's for a very <laughs> short 48 visit. hours. Yeah, a, a no, short visit. Not. 36 um, hours. Yes, very excited about. And then I'll be heading to Birmingham to go see my family. 
good old Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited. Um, unfortunately, Will can't come with me yet because of lockdown. The embassy is not open, so we can't go to mm-hmm. his embassy interview, but hopefully he'll be joining me soon. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't know, Will is Kelsey's boyfriend, mm-hmm. and he is a Kiwi. He's he is a, a native New Zealander. Yeah, he's a flightless bird. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> is that the official term? <laughs> That's what a kiwi is. They're nocturnal flightless birds. They don't do very much, but. Wow. We no. do things every day. <laughs> I know. It's kind of, it's very funny. I wonder how they, how they chose that. <laughs> That's a good question. I think, I, I think it's probably like a, a Maori thing, which is the like, um, indigenous peoples in New Zealand. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure though. I don't, don't take, I don't know. <laughs> don't uh, quote me on that one. <laughs> don't worry. I won't. Just everyone listening is going to. Yeah. It's all right. It's fine. What about you, April? How's your Thursday? It's going well. Just super busy working from home today on EHS. I call it my business Yay. Edge Health Solutions EHS because it's just easier to call it that. So yes. just running around like a crazy person, but I love Thursdays because I get the privilege of working from home and it's my favorite day. So yeah. that's super exciting. My husband Joe right now is on a business trip in Des Moines, Iowa. So I've been fending for myself for the last few days. Um I'm just You're excited. Independent lady. <laughs> listen I just lock all of my doors <laughs> I locked the bedroom door too <laughs> it didn't help that I decided to start watching this new show on Netflix called Nine Perfect Strangers the first night he was gone I don't know if you've heard of it Mm-mm. I don't think we have it in New Zealand on Netflix yeah Netflix is different oh my gosh I didn't know that we only have some of the shows that you guys did but if you use a VPN if we get sponsored by the VPN place that sponsors everyone, let us know because we can definitely do that. But <laughs> you know what? That's actually interesting because, <clears throat> side note, and then I'll give my review of Nine Perfect Strangers. But I interned abroad in Hong Kong mm-hmm. in undergrad, and they're very restrictive at the time. At least I don't know what they do now, but they were very restrictive with Facebook and social media and all those things. So we used to use. Uh, we used to download something I can't remember what it was because it was so long ago to like reroute our system to make yeah, our computers like in the US. yeah mm-hmm. that, I just remembering that now yeah I, I use a VPN yeah. plugin to watch the Great British Bake Off or baking show because I love that show I just think of the holidays when I think of that show it just makes me happy it's uh, my like it's my yeah. it's my um turn off my brain when I'm feeling stressed out show <laughs> they're just so calming they are they're just and they make the most delicious things but anyway I decided to start watching nine perfect strangers because I had heard whispers of it just like here and there on podcasts social media other people and I was like no no time like the present to start a new show no time Um, like being at home by yourself to start a new scary show well I didn't know it was a scary show (laughs) beforehand and it's not very scary it's not thriller it's more of um the category i would give it very definitely dramatic um actiony is it like crime oh, I, I just had the word it's not crime um i just said um again too don't worry about it it's le- it's on the tip of my tongue but anyways 
it's really interesting. Melissa McCarthy's in it, who is just amazing in general oh, as a human being. Yeah. And who is Keith Urban's wife? Is it the one where they all go to that hotel? Yeah. And 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 what's her name? Um, Keith Urban's wife. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Nicole. Yeah. Everyone's probably screaming. She's the main it. Nicole lady Kidman. Yeah, and she's Marcia. got blonde hair, and she's like real creepy. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm so it's just like weird vibes. It's just really like creepy is not the word i'm looking for to describe it but i i've thought provoking in a i would say it's just like a feeling of like feeling unsafe maybe unsettled unsafe and no there's a word i'm thinking of that describes that type of show and movie um like a i want to say like a chill a chilling i don't know it'll come to me and it's come and gone during this conversation i keep (laughs) but anyways if you're um, into those kind of like ominous, creepy kind of vibes, you might like it. I have, um, because we're talking about being at home alone and creepy things happening. I have mm-hmm. one story and then we should probably get started, but I think you'll okay. have a story. And if anyone of <laughs> listeners really likes true crime, which I think a lot of people do, maybe not true crime, oh, but just like it. spooky stuff, this story might be for you as well. Um, so <laughs> at my house, so I live in a villa in Auckland and it was built in 1910 so it's very old mm-hmm. you can see it's got like well there's a big window behind me but it's got like big ceilings it looks like mm-hmm. I'm wearing a hat with my chandelier um <laughs> now you won't be able to unsee it though um, I know and, yeah, I know maybe I'll just um so and the way that our house has been split up it used to be one really big mansion and mm-hmm. they've broke it up into different apartments Mm -hmm. so my apartment is actually just it's a one bedroom it's got a lounge and it's got a downstairs kitchen and bathroom but and there's four apartments in it now um there's mine one that's on the first floor behind mine there's one on the second floor in the back and then there's one that's in between the back one and mine because we have the front of the house so there's one that in there that just it's a it's a really big yeah um and so there's one behind us it's just like a one bedroom it's not a studio but it's pretty close to a studio it's just got like Mm -hmm. one room and then a bedroom attached to it and they keep it empty and I was like why do they keep it empty like that seems weird (laughs) oh April let me tell you so I and this is like a little a little juju but um it kind of runs in my family a little bit that we're a little bit some of us not I would say superstitious a little like there's been there's some stories about my I think like my great great aunt or something and she was like super psychic um and she knew it was gonna happen (laughs) and it's kind of run in the family a little bit um and I, I I can tell more about these stories later but I have had a few predictive dreams before in the past where I like, I did not know this about you. I know. I know. It's and my aunt has it too. And it's um like I I've it's happened to me before. My aunt has it too mm-hmm. and it's kind of just like run in the family just there's just like a few women and I've heard from my aunt about this. So she's been mm-hmm. the one that's kind of like yeah, it's it's okay. It's normal. <laughs> um so I am in this place and I like 
kind of feel a little of a vibe. And I'm like, mm, there's some weird stuff going on in this house because it's super old. And like, surely there's something in here. Right. And I don't know if you believe in ghosts. Or I don't know if I do. I think I maybe do. But anywho, I had this feeling that I was like, all right, I think that there's like some type of vibe <laughs> on the stairs. And I, I just like, I'm like, if I had to put a person or a name to it, I think there's like an older guy, like a 50 year old spirit man in my stairwell slash in that back apartment. Cause the, the stairwell backs up to that empty apartment. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I think, I think his name's Frank, but this is, again, this is just me. <laughs> Frank's going to be like standing there. <laughs> yeah do you mean the guy right behind you right now yeah. <laughs> how creepy oh my god don't say that give me the chills <laughs> um so anyway so i am assuming that there's frank living here so it gets more intense because i've always been like haha frank and he's a good guy i assume i think he's a good spirit i think he's just there i think he's just a little stuck in the wall and i'm like you're you're fine um so one night will was out of town and i went to the local pub <laughs> you can call is that it. what they call it around yeah and it's it's like it's the birkin it's the birkinhead birkinhead which i live in birkinhead in auckland it's the birkinhead brewing mm -hmm. company so it's the bbc which is what they call it oh huh, that's fun yeah <laughs> so we i was there with a couple of friends who are also from birkinhead that night and we're just chatting and um this older guy comes in and one of our friends knew him and they're just talking to him and i introduced myself and um it came up that I lived in that house and he said, Oh, um, I, uh, I also used to work in that house. We used to have a studio. So in that building, oh. so in the second apartment, they used to have offices in. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said, Oh, and he said, you know, what's haunted. And I said, is it an <laughs> old man? And he said, yes. Oh my God. So this man I've never met before, he said, yeah, he's like, yeah, there's an old man. He used to turn off and on the lights in the second apartment. And I said, I knew it. He lives in our stairwell. He said, yes, he lives right there. And I was like, oh my gosh. That's really <laughs> so funny. I got confirmation that there is an old man. I don't know if his name's right now, but that's my spooky story about my house. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. You learn new things about each other every day. I didn't know, I know. you have that in your family. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. I don't know. Some people believe it, some people don't. Either way, it's just fun. It's kind of, it's a fun It's thing. fun. I, so I tend to not really believe in ghosts and things, but I love hearing those stories because they're really interesting. I know, it's hard to, like, tell. Even me, I'm like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but that's still really cool that he noticed the same thing as you. Yeah. You're on yeah. the same wavelength. There's, like, so many other stories about this house. We live across from, like, an alien worshipping society. Oh Apparently, they used to grow a bunch of weed downstairs. It's crazy in, like, the 70s. In the, the town I grew up in, in Massachusetts, it's called Medfield. And there's an old, closed-down, insane asylum in the town. It's oh. actually where they filmed Shutter Island. Wow. Leonardo DiCaprio. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as kids, because it's, like, all shut down and creepy, we used to sneak over and, like, check out the buildings. <laughs> And then there would be like a groundskeeper that would drive around and we'd have to like hide and stuff. But it's always so creepy. Like these old closed down buildings feel yeah. like there's some, we had, there. We had a similar insane asylum near insane asylum near what they're not called that anymore. I know they aren't. It just <laughs> there's like the old sign was up and yeah, yeah. it was called that back when it was off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they have one in Philadelphia 
near where we grew up and mm-hmm. they I forget the name of it but it's pretty famous it's like on the top 100 most haunted places in America, <laughs> blah 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 you know um and they used to turn it into a like haunted house at Halloween mm-hmm. time but See, because it was cool. haunted even the people that worked the haunted house had to sign waivers and say it's okay <laughs> because it might be haunted Oh, uh, no, I do not like scary things. I will <laughs> never go in a haunted house. <laughs> Halloween well, is not my vibe. Season. I don't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like we just talked for ages and shall we jump in to what are we doing first? The recipe or the research this week? What do you want to do? Um, let's kick off with the our research like we did last week. Okay, well, let's take a short break, you guys. And when we come back, we'll talk all things research. Awesome. See you soon. Bye. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We are back, ready for our research. April will be presenting this week. I'm so excited. Yes. So I have to say my research was inspired by your research last week. So for those of you who didn't tune in last week or if you haven't heard it yet, Kelsey and I talked about collagen supplementation and that's the research that Kelsey did. So if you're interested in hearing about collagen supplementation and whether or not you should be taking it, go listen to our first episode. But today we're going to be talking about BCAA supplementation. Yay. Do you know much about BCAA supplementation? Um, Not really. I know we like kind of touched on amino acids last week and kind of how they Mm -hmm. work. But I think it actually will be really helpful because even thinking back to last week, I was like, oh, I feel like I could have explained how amino acids work a little bit better. So I'm actually really glad we're circling back to kind of dig into a little bit more. So that's exciting. Okay, I'm ready. Touch on it. I have to. So, I have to be honest. I don't know tons about it. I know basics, but I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, me too. And I think, well, supplements are just interesting in general because I feel like they're so overhyped I guess in a sense um they tend to be just a lot of people I think make them sound like they are the end-all be-all and certainly supplements have their place in our life Mm -hmm. but they don't replace a lot of things or make up for a generally well-balanced diet but anyways okay so if you've heard of BCAA supplements a lot of people take take them or like to take them but what it stands for is branch chain amino acids. So if you don't know what amino acids are, they are the building blocks for proteins. So proteins are made up of amino acids. And there are two different types of amino acids that we have. There are essential amino acids and non-essential amino acids. What we really need to focus on in our day-to-day lives or diet are the essential amino acids. And the reason why they're called essential amino acids, and there are nine of them, is because our bodies cannot create them. So therefore, they are essential that we ingest or take in those nine amino acids. So branch chain amino acids are three specific of the nine essential. So branch chain chain amino acids are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. So those are the three branch chain amino acids. Yeah. So when you are taking BCAA supplementation or branch chain amino acid supplementation, you're taking essentially three of the essential amino acids. So three of the essential building blocks of proteins. And that's what BCAAs are. So around the claims around branch chain amino acid supplementation that 
I just see out there or people claim that it helps with muscle growth. They claim that it helps enhance exercise performance, that it helps with weight loss, and that it can reduce fatigue after exercise. So should I go right in with what the facts are versus the claims? Or should we talk about the two research studies I found first? Well, (laughs) I think maybe we just jump into, why don't we go over the research just a little bit and then go to the final answer. Okay. Leave them hanging. A little bit of a teaser. (laughs) I love it. Okay, yes. Let's do that. And I have my notes in front of me, which is why I'm kind of messing down a little bit. But I wanted to touch on this real quickly before we get started because we talked about it last week. And then we mentioned RCT and that is randomized controlled trials. So I want to kind of touch on that really quickly so you guys understand what we're referring to. When we're looking at these research studies, you can conduct these studies in different ways and the most reliable research studies are the randomized studies and the almost gold standard of studies are the randomized double blind placebo controlled trials. So those are the research studies that you really want to look for when you're looking for reliable research. So it's really interesting because there's a lot of research out there that isn't as reliable as others. So there's almost tiers of research, which I don't know if a lot of people know that versus an observational study wouldn't be as reliable as the randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial. Right. And so, and really, like, the the one that you're talking about, randomized, double-blinded, placebo-controlled, there's, like, three parts of that. Randomized means that all the participants have been randomly chosen. They've gotten a sample size, and they said, okay, we're going to randomly choose who gets the intervention or who gets mm-hmm. the whatever. Placebo-controlled means that the control group so the people that don't get the intervention get something similar to the intervention and then the double blinded means that the participants don't know who has what and the first line of researchers it's double blinded the first line of researchers don't know Mm -hmm. who's got what so they can't have any bias so that's the three things that really make it special absolutely and a lot of times with like Kelsey mentioned with the placebo the placebo group, like for this example with the BCAAs, if they're distributing the branch chain amino acids in pill form, they would give the placebo group a pill that looks exactly like the intervention group, but it would maybe just be sugar. It wouldn't have anything really in it at all mm-hmm. just to reduce. And you said the perfect word, the bias, like we're, they're trying to reduce any biases that are happening. And that is just another layer where they have the researchers who are actually physically giving the pills to each individual if they don't know what is in that pill whether it's sugar or branched chain amino acids or whatever intervention then that just gives a whole another level of it's not as biased so it just makes it more of a reliable study so Kelsey and I always try to look for studies that are randomized double blind placebo controlled and also studies that have happened within the last five years or so because they're just more recent so I just want to touch on that real quickly because I know we mentioned it last week and I realized we didn't describe it or explain what it is <laughs> no, for those helpful. of you who don't know. That's very So helpful. the first study that I found um, was titled The Effect of Branch Chain Amino Acid Supplementation on Recovery Following Acute Eccentric Exercise. So Ooh. this was in 2018. And this basically just evaluated the effect of branch chain amino acid supplementation on recovery. So that was one of the claims I listed off earlier, whether or not um, branch chain amino acids can help with recovery time. So it looked at 20 males and it also kind of looked at um, muscle 
improvement in muscle function, which it found that branched-chain amino acids do not help improve with muscle function. So this study looked asked participants to evaluate their perceived level of muscle soreness using a visual analog scale. So basically, after they finished working out, participants had to look at a visual scale and say how sore they were. They were. So this particular study examined the effect of branched-chain amino acids also on the surrogate marker of muscle damage, which is CK, which stands for creatine kinase. So mm. for those of you who are wondering, creatine is not the same as creatinine. There are different things. So this is creatine kinase, um, and it's a blood marker of muscle damage. So when you do any type of strength training, utilize your muscles, you create small muscle damage, small tears in your muscle, and that's how you build bigger muscle. So when you create that damage, that creatine kinase is released into the blood. So they were analyzing that to see if taking those branch chain amino acid supplementation would reduce the amount of CK in the blood. And that was kind of their way of determining if it was working or not. Mm. So basically the efflux or the flow of CK creatine kinase into the blood is indicative of sarcolemma disruption. So sarcolemma is muscle cell membrane. So kind of what I was explaining, disruption of the muscle cells, little tears because you're using your muscles. So basically what they found is that following all of that exercise, exercise, the CK was significantly elevated from pre-exercise levels in both groups. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. So they were asked to evaluate their perceived level of muscle soreness using a visual analog scale. And they did say that they felt like they were less sore. So Hmm. a couple interesting things that I'm noticing about that study is the first one is that whenever you use um, self- um, or what's the word for it? Self-reporting in a study. Mm-hmm. It is really, really hard to take that and run with it without limitations because everyone mm-hmm. perceives pain, especially muscle soreness differently. So I think that's really interesting that, I mean, it, it's good that they used a biomarker as well, like the blood biomarker, the CK. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting that it seems, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's always really difficult to use self-reporting um, I in a study. Also, and I know that this, this, they do this a lot, but when the heck are they going to start researching women? I'm sick of this. Listen, sister, that was one of my comments at the end here, because <laughs> just wait till this other study. It's still all men too. Oh, okay. All right. I'm ready for the next one. And it's, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> or any other gender identity than just men. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I remember, um, when we had, do you remember when during our internship, we had that conference, um, where we were able to sit with a bunch of different experts from a different bunch of different fields in nutrition. And, um, Mm -hmm. there was a woman that was, um, her table was on trans, trans rights in, the health sector pretty much, Mm -hmm. um, which was so interesting. One table out of 50, Mm -hmm. maybe, um, someone was talking about it. And I was like, I actually, we have not learned anything. I don't know. Like, I mean, I've done a little bit more research now, but at the time we were at the end of our internship, I was ready to join the workforce and I had no knowledge. (laughs) I mean, I was ready to be a dietitian and I had no knowledge of any 
how do I treat a trans patient? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I, do I, you know, look at gender? Do I look at sex? Do I look at how do hormones work with nutritional needs? I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, I, I know a little bit more now, but at the time I was like, what do we do? <laughs> I love your facial expressions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I completely agree. And I wonder if it's part of it is because there just hasn't been a lot of studies on the effects of nutrition compared to these different hormones or how your hormones may change if you do have gender reassignment surgery or whatever it may be and and maybe that's why I don't know but maybe that can be our next topic of research yeah that I think that's so interesting I mean same with even just women's studies like there's so little research out there for Mm um things like PCOS Mm -hmm. like we're kind of reaching some in that area but still it's just been such a long time just to get some, just to get some research. So mm-hmm. just and something I, that I think is good to know. <laughs> absolutely. And I think sometimes I sit here and I'm like, really, can we not have more research on X, Y, and Z topic? And then I think to myself, I'm like, wow, April, well, you're not really helping out with that. So just expect someone else to <laughs> you could be you. doing the research. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Cause I know no, it takes a lot of time studying. You have to keep in mind though, it's as much, as much as we want to do the research you ha- it's really hard to do research there are so many steps in the process oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and just to get like i for the app i work for like we're working on different research um studies and trying to just get grants for them to get started so hard is almost impossible so mm-hmm. to choose a niche and say i want to research this specific thing you have to put every single bit of information, every single benefit, every single, you have really have to state your case to mm-hmm. get any type of funding or grant or support to actually do that research. Right. So it's really hard. And I think what a lot of people don't realize too is how specific research studies are. Oh yeah. It's down to, you know, it's just think of this title of this research study, the effect of branched chain amino acid supplement timing on exercise induced muscle soreness and damage. Like it's just so specific. Mm-hmm. It can't just be a study that's like, how do BCAs work on our BCAs work on our body? Like it has to be. So it's hard because you have to do so many research studies on. Yeah. Every little it has thing. to be specific, 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 mm-hmm. specific. Yeah this intervention for this treatment for this group this thing. <laughs> like oh my gosh okay yeah yeah it's so hard well speaking Sorry, of what's about the next, the next study is yeah. the effect of branched chain amino acid supplementation timing on exercise induced muscle soreness and damage so you'll see kind of a theme here they've really been focusing on the muscle soreness piece there's really no research in regards to it promoting weight loss i mean of course um when people do try to lose weight cutting back on calories and then increasing protein intake as a strategy, but it doesn't really specifically look at branched chain amino acids or the army loss studies looking at that and compare it to weight loss. I'm, I'm interested because there's not really many, I mean, maybe from what you've seen, there were studies on muscle, muscle building from BCAAs. Like, I feel like there would be more. I, I've right. Um, and but from what like recovery. I found, it's really focusing on muscle recovery and soreness versus building muscle. Um, so it's compare- this study compared the effects of branched chain amino acids, acid supplementation taken before and after exercise. 
on delayed onset muscle soreness, which they refer to as DOMS, and then exercise-induced muscle damage, so EIMD. So they compared taking the BCAAs beforehand for exercise and then afterwards to see if it had any differing effect on muscle soreness. And I'd like to point out that this study only had 15 men. I mean, these studies Mm, that are available, although they may show specific results it's first of all like we pointed you pointed out before it's just men and second of all it's 15 people you know so I think I have an opinion at the end but I'll finish going through this (laughs) (laughs) so this specific study did confirm that repeated BCAA supplementation before exercise had a more beneficial effect on reducing DOM so delayed onset muscle soreness and EI. MDs, which are exercise-induced muscle damage, versus repeated supplementation after exercise. So that was their recommendation from this study, or what they took out of it is that they found that it works better to supplement with BCAAs prior to exercise if you're looking to reduce muscle soreness and damage. My personal thought is, okay, fine, reducing your soreness, but I think to a degree, it's good to feel not necessarily pain, but it's good to feel that soreness because then you can better evaluate your recovery period. Do you need to take more time to recover? If you're masking that recovery, are you, or you're masking that soreness, I should say, are you adequately recovering? Cause you're not reacting to what your body is actually going through. Right. And I think a good, um, a good question there is it are the BCAAs just reducing the feeling of soreness though or are they actually reducing the effect like like are they reducing the amount of time or the feeling of soreness to the point that you just don't actually have as much soreness um so when you work out (laughs) what you're doing is you're actually breaking your muscles so when you're Sam doing a bicep curl What's happening is I'm actually um, breaking those muscle fibers um, so that once I'm in recovery mode, they start to rebuild. Call it recovery because your muscles will need to rebuild. And that's what you get the soreness from because those fibers are needing to, to bond back together. And what happens is the more that you break and build, the bigger they get, which is why mm-hmm. you have muscle building. Right. So, so I'm your wondering body's if reacting to that tearing. So that yeah. So I'm wondering if the BCAAs, you know, what's what's going on there? Are they mm-hmm. reducing the fiber breakage? Are they the reducing of tearing? The, yeah. Are they reducing the tear tearing? Are they reducing the amount of time it takes to recover them? Which is what I'm I'm thinking because of what they do. BCAAs are their growth and metabolism. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. That's but a great question. That's a really great question. And I, I think it's the latter that they're just reducing the feeling of soreness afterwards. I yeah. think it's still the same amount of muscle tearing. Otherwise, it would be a counterintuitive to take them if yeah. it's reducing that because the point is to build, if you're doing strength training would be to build up those muscles. And if you're yeah. reducing the amount of tearing, then you're reducing the amount of muscle build. But that's hmm. a really good thought. Yeah. That's interesting. So my overall take from this is like I kind of mentioned before, first of all, they're only evaluating men. Second of all, I mean, yes, it was randomized double blind placebo controlled study. We love that. We are stands for that, but it's only 15 men for that second one. And I think 20, 22 for the first one. That's not, yeah, that's, enough. Really that's not a big enough study 
Yeah, that's a tiny sample size. And if you're you're wondering, a good sample size probably starts at around 150 people, maybe. There are studies out there, though, that, like, especially because of the industry I'm in, like, in AI studies, like, they're doing studies on a million people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, which is crazy and very cool. Very cool. So overall recommendations that I take away from this and that I would recommend to people is that it's not necessary to take if you want to take it because you feel as though you want to reduce your muscle soreness and it might help you then go for it I think that like I said before masking that soreness could possibly be have a negative effect if you're then not feeling it you may not be properly recovering you can eat plenty you can get plenty of branch chain amino acids through eating protein sources normal protein sources that you eat in everyday life, animal sources. So it's not necessary to take, get extra through supplementation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need so, more right. info. <laughs> so like really, if you are eating, a pro- I would say probably, especially if you are, you know, doing muscle building, things like that. If you're having a protein source at each meal, you're probably good to go. You can add a protein supplement in there if you feel like you need it and it feels good if it makes you feel good go for it but it's not it's not mandatory is no, what I would say. yeah I would say the only time I really think supplementing protein could be necessary is in more outstanding circumstances you know if somebody just really has a distaste for any type of protein sources that's true yeah okay then you just have to work around that sometimes I could see maybe um a vegetarian might struggle more depending on their preferences. Mm. They don't like a lot of the vegetarian sources of protein. So it's yeah. kind of more outstanding circumstances. And then also I, when I was working with athletes in my master's and undergrad, there were a lot of athletes who were working out so much that they yeah. just physically could not eat enough protein. So getting it in through liquid sources was just their only ways and calories too, and carbs in addition to the protein. So yeah. those are kind of more outstanding circumstances, but I absolutely agree with you in terms of, just your average person, even your average person that likes to weight lift every day for even an hour, you can get adequate protein in through normal food sources. You don't need to pound protein. And what is actually very important in addition to eating protein after your workout is to also eat carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Lots of carbs, yeah. ladies and gents. Very true. Carbs. <laughs> One of my favorite things too, before we wrap up, is people that take protein with the expectation that it will build muscle without doing muscle building exercises. <laughs> Guys, oh, I have not run into anybody like that. But that's I have. Everyone, if you want to build muscle, you gotta, you gotta put the hard work in. Mm-hmm. You do. Sorry about it. You if do. you just drink protein, if you eat a lot of protein, but you're not actually causing that tear and rebuild – Mm-hmm. It ain't going to happen for you. <laughs> and I think that real quickly, that's just a fail on diet culture and marketing, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Because Definitely. these protein sources are marketed to help you build muscle. So I could see as somebody who just get com- gets confused and interprets that information as, oh, I just take the supplement. I can build muscle without knowing that they actually need to participate in strength training. <laughs> yeah. You got you to gotta, you gotta do the hard work. <laughs> true all right y'all well we're gonna wrap up now and our next segment we're gonna get to hear about kelsey's wonderful recipe i cannot wait yay (laughs) all right talk to you soon
Bye. Bye. Zoom. Okay. We're here. I'm trying to make <laughs> myself not have a hat now. I love it. I think you should embrace it. It's like a crown. That's a crown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and all of our friends in between, we are back. Back and ready to hear your recipe. Lay it on us, sister. Okay. So this week, I did something that I feel like fits both in my New Zealand Southern Hemisphere springtime Mm -hmm. theme as well as the Northern Hemisphere autumn theme. Ooh, we love it. We love it. A little bit of both. And I made a carrot cake banana bread with a cream cheese glaze. Oh, that sounds amazing. It was so I love a good carrot cake. And I am obsessed with cream cheese frosting. Right? Oh my gosh. It was so good. Um, The reason I made it was because we are moving soon. I'm going to the States. Well, Well, we were meant to go to the States together and move out of our old haunted villa um (laughs) (laughs) just in time for spooky season um but will will actually be staying with his sister for a little bit so we are moving out of our place though which means we are trying to get rid of all of our stuff all the stuff in the freezer all Mm, the stuff mm -hmm. in the fridge and something that happened with lockdown again um was that i don't know about every supermarket and i talk about this Mm -hmm. in my recipe video as well but i don't know about every supermarket but ours were especially during level four when it was really intense Mm -hmm. they were trying to make it so that people weren't just grabbing produce which makes sense you don't want a bunch of Mm -hmm. covid hands on your produce um (laughs) so but everything came in bags oh Um, they didn't do that around here like it was like you either get no onions or you get a massive bag of onions (laughs) oh so i would say maybe a month ago will wanted one carrot and came home with a two kilogram bag of carrots oh we're using the metric system now well that's all we got here i mean it's about let's say four pounds to five four pounds, pounds of carrots, yeah. guys. <laughs> so many like carrots. i know so we had carrot everything and finally i was down to the last four or five and i'm like i'm making something to get rid of these carrots and we also had a lot of frozen bananas that i had Old bananas that I'd put in the freezer being like, I'm going to cook with these. I'm going to make That's smoothies. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love doing that. Yeah. I, I just, I forgot that they were in there. And then I just have, <laughs> I, I had so many frozen bananas and carrots. So I was like, I'm making something with both. <laughs> I love it. So resources. Yes. I'm trying to get rid of stuff. And I feel like to banana bread is a, now a lockdown essential, I think. Oh, so I figured, yeah. let's go for it. It's funny you mentioned banana bread because we were only in lockdown once over here mm. in March of 2020, and I was making a lot of banana bread. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Right. I mean, so good. I love banana bread, and when you put it with carrot cake, it's got so mm. many good stuff. So um, yeah. I made it last week, last Friday, which I thought was going to be before this episode but now we're recording it this day um but yeah so I made it and really it was pretty easy to make grating mm-hmm. the carrots took a little bit of time however mm-hmm. there are a couple things I did want to talk about too I was oh. just using the things in my kitchen um so for example I had coconut sugar because that's just what okay. I had I didn't have brown sugar did it but work as well of, oh yeah it was just fine and 
yeah, I would say it tastes just the exact same, pretty much. Yum. I want some now. I'm it was so when I'm good. Banana bread next. It, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And the cream cheese glaze really. <laughs> like not to toot my own horn, but they were yeah. <laughs> I felt really happy about it. I've made a lot of things in the past and they didn't turn out. And I was really happy that this one did. I would say though, along our lines of Mm-hmm. you know this this week we're kind of talking about myths and busting myths mm-hmm. um which i think you did a good job in your research as well kind of talking about protein supplements protein powders things like that mm-hmm. and um for this one too you know there's just a, a few things that i used in my recipes so like coconut sugar guys mm-hmm. sugar is sugar true <laughs> coconut sugar isn't any healthier than any other kind of sugar it's all gonna be the same whether it's coconut mm-hmm. sugar brown sugar white sugar turbinado sugar raw mm-hmm. beet sugar <laughs> and i know there's a lot of i got this question the other day about glycemic index in mm-hmm. terms of the different types of sugar and that's a whole other topic but i just think i did get that question and i just kind of was like it's too nitpicky it's yeah. too nitpicky well, i have patients it. who are diabetic and I don't even have them focus on glycemic index because it's just too nitpicky. There's no, there's no reason yeah. to focus on well, that. Just enjoy don't, food. don't go too much into glycemic index because next week we are talking about carbs and my research is similar. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I was going to say, yeah, the research article <laughs> talks about um, things like that. So we're going to talk about that. Oh, next. I love it. I'm so, so look forward to that. <laughs> but By the um, way, I reason I keep scratching my, um chin and my neck is because my little baby hairs keep tickling me oh. <laughs> oh my well I mean that's what I'm doing this whole time so I'm still waiting to get my hair cut I've had my I was supposed to have it right now actually my haircut has been pushed twice now because of lockdown and now it's just like so long and my bangs oh, no. are super long so I'm working with it but it's all right um <laughs> uh, but <laughs> anyway back to the recipe there was a couple things that were like that though so same mm-hmm. with the sugar I did use coconut oil again I'm just trying to get rid of it and we were out of butter but butter would have worked the same and same with probably mm-hmm. any other oil would have been just fine the oil in that recipe is just there for softness and flavor so mm-hmm. again any would have worked. Coconut oil does have different uh, compounds and nutrients mm-hmm. than other oils, but one of them isn't going to be better than the other. In the end, mm-hmm. the macro is just a fat. And, a, and we can talk about this when we kind of get to our questions later on. But, <laughs> but the way that macros break down, you know, we can use the different compounds in them but they're all just going to turn into energy anyway. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, but I'm just, just saying of all the things I put in there and I mentioned in my recipe video, mm-hmm. you know, there are different swaps you can make depending on your dietary preferences, um, mm-hmm. any allergies and tolerances, things like that. However, anything's okay. It's all mm-hmm. just fine to have, whether you're using whole wheat flour, white flour, sugar, whatever type of sugar you want, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. You know, I kind of just want to remove the idea that food has to be, you have to use healthy ingredients to enjoy food. You Mm -hmm. don't have to. Food can be anything you want. So I don't know. That's just kind Mm -hmm. of, and especially with like a recipe like this, it's so yum. Mm -hmm. There are some really, you know, great things in there. Um, 
like banana is awesome. It has tons of potassium and great energy. Carrots are great. Great vitamin A. Good for your eyes. Yeah. So like those are all awesome things. However, if you have um, a baked good that doesn't have those things, that's cool too, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just like to remind people of that. But yeah. I love um, that. First of all, that sounds amazing. I want to make it. And I like that you brought that up because because you use the coconut sugar I think it could have been really easy for people to assume that you did that because it's your dietitian and it's supposed to be it's like the quote-unquote healthier version so I'm really glad that you pointed out that for you you were just using it because you're using up the food in your house and it's absolutely okay to eat any type of sugar because sugar is sugar is sugar is sugar yeah so thank you for that (laughs) yeah of course and one more thing I did want to add is (laughs) I had the option. I was going to add some coconut flakes and maybe mm-hmm. some nuts to it as well. You can also put maybe even oh, stuff like crunch. that. But And I had them on hand. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I actually just didn't feel like putting them in. <laughs> and that's that, okay, too. And, and I think that sometimes people forget um, when you're trying to make either a healthy recipe or you're just following mm-hmm. something um, – you don't have to force yourself to do things for health or for whatever reason to eat something. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling like it, if you don't want to put it on there, if you don't want to add it for like aesthetic reasons or whatever, (laughs) it doesn't always have to be a hundred percent perfect. And it's okay. Like, and I said in the video too, I was like, I'm just not really feeling like eating coconut flakes right now. I like them, but I'm Mm -hmm. just not in the mood. And that's, um, I don't know. I would say, that's something I talk to a lot of my clients about is just listening to your body and listening to kind of what you're feeling like mm-hmm. to say, actually, you know, this might be really healthy for me or it might, whatever. Mm-hmm. It might feel good. It might just not feel good at the time. And it doesn't matter what food it is. Um, I just wasn't in the mood and that's okay. I like that. Cause I always like to tell my clients, that every there's no good or bad foods every food just has a purpose and you just have to identify the purpose so if the purpose is you're really craving banana bread with cream cheese frosting and you're going to eat it because it satisfies that craving and makes you happy then that's a wonderful purpose if the purpose is you know what I'm really want to eat this broccoli right now because I know it's going to give me great micronutrients and fiber and it's going to make me feel good and help me reach my health goals I'm not craving banana bread or in the mood for it then that's also a purpose. Yeah. So just identifying that purpose we get there. But I'm really excited. What a that. great recipe. It's Thank perfect you. for the season. I, yes, <laughs> I was hoping that it would be. I thought it was a good middle ground. So Yes, I love it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you. We'll take a little break and we'll talk to you and see you, depending on if you're on YouTube or podcast, yeah. for our next segment, which will answer some of your questions. Awesome. See you soon. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. This, I have to say, so far has been my favorite segment that we do. Me too. I I love that we get to kind of have a voice from our listeners here and just people, mm-hmm. you know, I think it can be really difficult, especially, you know, if you're not familiar with something to find answers with Absolutely. all of the things out there. Mm-hmm. So being able to actually ask someone and get a good detailed answer I think is really helpful being able to ask an expert too yeah definitely so I named this episode I herb through the grapevine because 
like I mentioned last episode, I'm on the food pun train right now. My goal is to name every episode, make it a food pun. But the idea behind this episode, the questions we're going to be answering are kind of debunking nutrition rumors, things that you guys have heard through the grapevine or heard through the grapevine. And those just really mean nutrition rumors. And we got a few different questions. We got a lot of questions, but we got a few different questions that were very similar. So we thought we would kind of wrap them into a neat little package. I love that. I, I'm I'm so supportive of you um, and your puns. I'm definitely <laughs> not as clever when coming up with puns, but I am here to follow. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall I read the first question? You shall. Okay. Ready? <laughs> Go for it. So <laughs> we, had, we had two different questions that were pretty similar. So one is, um, is intermittent fasting healthy? And I've heard intermittent fasting is the best way to lose weight. Is that true? April, do you want to start us off? I get this question one million times a day. Well, it's- I saw you answer it when you did. You did an Instagram takeover yesterday, and you did a really good job answering it. So I would thank like you to go for it. I yeah, so I get this question a lot. Intermittent fasting. I think it's just sweeping the nation. It's one of the not new, but one of the more popular fad diets right now. So right now, there is no research to show that intermittent fasting works any better than a just a regular three meals a day, healthy, balanced diet in terms of reaching your health goals. And if that is weight loss is the main thing that intermittent fasting, people use it to promote weight, weight loss, and it doesn't necessarily help you lose weight or be healthier, reach health goals any faster than a normal diet. And there are a few other things about it too, that I always like to point out. Um, when you are fasting, you are ignoring your natural hunger and fullness cues, which you know, our bodies are amazing, smart, and complex. And I'll say that 1 million times throughout all of our podcasts. I know it because it's true. And if your body is telling you that you are hungry, then that means you need fuel. It's not telling you that for no reason at all. So to ignore those natural cues really just, I think, sets you up for failure for in, in many ways. So it, it can really destroy your relationship with food, especially if you're not eating when you're starving or you're hungry. Um, it can make you feel guilty around certain foods. And and I feel like inter- intermittent fasting itself can have really two different effects. If you're keeping yourself from eating, um, a lot of people end up overeating or binge eating later on in the day because they're so hungry. Or there could be people who end up really hurting their metabolism because they're eating so little that they don't have those hunger cues anymore and then they're prevented from reaching their health goals. And in addition to that, there are no long-term studies right now to show the long-term effects of intermittent fasting, whether that will be micronutrient deficiencies or um, eating disorders that are developed from it or anything like that. So I am not a fan or supportive of intermittent fasting at this time. I do not recommend it to anybody or my clients. I agree. (laughs) I think intermittent (laughs) fasting is the best way to completely ruin your hunger and fullness cues. (laughs) It is the best way to um, ignore what your body is telling you, um, which is 
not what we want. Clearly your body does all these things for a reason. And to just say, mm-hmm. nah, I'm going to take, I'm going to let my brain override all of my systems um, needs and my systems mm-hmm. cues and responses. Sure. Like the, it's going to lead to something that's not sustainable. Um, 100%. And something I always like to talk about too, is like, as a baby, when, when you are a child mm-hmm. or if you've ever been around a baby, how often do they get hungry and what do they do? They cry. Or if they can talk, they say, I'm hungry <laughs> and they eat. Um, and Absolutely. we, as adults, we kind of lose that, especially a lot of us that were in the clean your plate club. <laughs> that, that was in the, I'm hitting puberty and now I have to be on a diet club. Um, or, you know, a lot of different things. A lot of us lose that as we get older. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the best way to ever reach your sustainable long-term you know, self is to get back in touch with that, what we call intuitive eating, those hunger and fullness Mm -hmm. cues, because it's just not going to work. Intermittent fasting is not sustainable. If you're going to eat for four hours, six hours, eight hours of the day, what happens when it's a holiday week or you're on vacation or, you know, things like this are happening? It's it's not going to work. They're going to turn into cheat days, which turn into cheat weeks to cheat months, however. And they Mm -hmm. aren't. They aren't I hate cheat, whatever, but you know, that's a lot of the phrases that people use. And Mm -hmm. really it should just be every day is just a chance to let food not be the focus. (laughs) And I think when you're doing intermittent fasting, you're so many people are focused on, Mm -hmm. well, I can't eat until noon. I can't eat until Mm -hmm. this time. So I'm just going to, you know, do all these things in the meantime and just think about the food because I'm restricting it until this time. Mm -hmm. And personally, as someone who's had a lot of issues with eating disorders, binge eating, things like that in the past, I just see this blowing up. Like personally, as someone like Mm -hmm. I've been there with binging, I've been there with restricting and trying to do intermittent fasting, especially if anyone has had any disordered eating or eating disorder issues which is mm-hmm. three out of four women. So a lot of us, and I don't even know with men, it's really hard with men. It's really hard to, this is the only thing that hasn't been researched well on men because men don't bring it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they won't say I have an eating disorder, um, which a lot of men do, but three out of four women have some eating disorder or disordered eating issues. Mm-hmm. And to bring intermittent fasting in on the table is just, it so just curates that unhealthy relationship. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. saying, okay, great. Let's restrict even more. And that's just going to lead to unhealthy behaviors around food. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I don't, I agree. I don't like it. <laughs> um, I, before we move on to the next question, I saw, I, I heard, Slash saw, I guess, because I was on Instagram. So both another dietitian on Instagram, and I forget who it was. Otherwise, I would cite them. But they made a really good comparison for intermittent fasting. And they said, okay, so for intermittent fasting, 
you know, say you're ignoring your hunger cues, you're hungry all morning, all afternoon, and you're not allowed to eat till 6pm, whenever it is, you're ignoring those hunger cues, right? If you really had to pee, would you in the morning, would you say no, I'm not allowed to pee until 6pm and just hold it all day? No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you would go pee. So it's just kind of, it's a silly comparison, but it's true too. You're just blatantly ignoring your body's natural cues and what it's telling you it needs. So yeah. And I think, I mean, that's something too, people forget that hunger is just another bodily process. Eating is just something that our bodies need to do. It's nothing any more special than the other things, you know, eating is just a part of daily life, the same way that going to the bathroom is and, you know, having to breathe (laughs) and, you know, like things like that are just processes that your body has to do. And I think when we put too much pressure and, you know, focus too much on it and, and really just have, it's so specialized and it's really not, it's just another act of the human existence Mm -hmm. that we just have to do. And when you kind of dumb it down to that point, it kind of, I think, makes it a little bit easier to say, okay, I'm just going to, you know, sit back and let my body kind of tell me what I need um, rather than tell my body what it needs. Mm. And we're just reinforced in this diet culture to ignore those hunger cues or to feel like we should feel bad for having hunger cues and being hungry, yeah. which is not true. Mm-mm. So do you want me to read the next question or do you want to read the next question? You can read the next question, April. Alrighty. So we also got multiple questions surrounding the same topic. I'm going to read off two of them. We got, what is your take on counting macros? Mm. And then also, I've heard of so many people counting macros. What's your take? Oh, very similar questions. Yeah, very similar questions. What is your take on counting macros, Kelsey? Lay it on me. Um, And everyone listening. (laughs) I know. Well, a lot of people do this. I know. Um, and really in the end, all macros turn into energy. (laughs) And I think having really, really strict every day has to be this grams of carbs, this amount of grams of protein, this amount of grams of fat kind of, you know, goes back to what we were just talking about with intermittent fasting. It just gets too you're focusing too much on the intake, (laughs) I think is my opinion. Um, And I really, I don't know, I just think maybe just to take a step back. And again, your body knows. If I, you know, if you're wanting some carbs, if you're wanting some fat, if you're wanting some protein, honoring that and going for it, I think is great. Having that variety without having to count the numbers is great too. So when you're able to build a plate, kind of like what we were talking about last episode, building that plate, having the diversity, putting some protein on the plate, putting some fat on the plate, putting some carbs on the plate, um, fruit and vegetables, things like that is a lot healthier, in my opinion, and better suited for not just your physical health, but your mental health and your social health and all of those other things that go into the picture mm-hmm. and, you know, weighing your chicken breast. <laughs> What do you think? So I agree. I am not a promoter of macro counting because I think it can lead. I think it takes away from listening to your natural hunger and fullness cues, takes away from being able to intuitively eat and listen to your body because you may sit down with, for easy example, 
potatoes, chicken, and green beans on your plate. You've Say you've counted out those macros perfectly and you need to eat every single drop on that plate to meet your macros. Well, what if you don't want every drop on that plate? What if you're mm-hmm. not hungry enough for that? Or what if you're more hungry than what's on your plate and you want Definitely. more? So either way, it's, you know, and I think it can be flexible to a degree, but I, I think it also can create a unhealthy relationship with food. It could even, in some extreme circumstances, lead to disordered eating. And a lot of people, a lot of the clients I've worked with have been counting macros and those types of things for years. And when I tell them they don't have to anymore and they finally get off of it, they feel such relief because they finally don't have to think of food as numbers or things. They can actually just enjoy the food that they're eating and think about the flavors and the taste and the satisfaction factor, which I think is so much more enjoyable. I will say the only time I've seen or think paying that close attention to macros could be beneficial is you know, maybe an extreme circumstance, like, um, an endurance athlete or, Mm. you know, athletes where it really is their job and they do need to make sure they get enough protein and carbohydrates and fat in because otherwise it could be dangerous for them. And they, you know, and I think there are safe ways to do that. So you're not, they're not getting obsessive, but it's just being aware they need to increase it more than maybe the average person. And I don't even necessarily think they need to technically macro count. I think there's a way to get around that too, but yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think too, along with, um, you know, really, really high energy athletes is also um, something that we use macros a lot with is MNT, like medical nutrition therapy, people that are patients in hospitals that need tube feeding or IV nutrition, which is a lot of what dietitians do as well. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all of our medical clinical nutritionists, <laughs> clinical dietitians. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's a place where certain types of macros do matter depending depending on the condition, depending on the yeah i mean we count the macros for tube feedings and tpns um we don't tell the patients what they are yeah definitely and prescribe the tube feeding rate and go on our merry way yeah yeah they don't they (laughs) don't know doesn't matter i mean even when um working in uh it was an outpatient eating disorder program we did count all the calories and macros that all the the clients were getting I guess we called them clients not really patients um obviously we did not share that information mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it's just a good way for us to keep track of intake and needs and just to make sure they're getting food. enough yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. it, no it's the other way around we're trying to make sure they're getting enough of everything then versus restricting yeah yeah mm-hmm. but overall for the general public you don't have not to necessary. not necessary not necessary mm-hmm. no. <clears throat> last question last question go right ahead all right where are my questions all right last one does apple cider vinegar really work <laughs> what a wonderful question i have seen so much out there about apple cider vinegar and my biggest issue with diet culture in general, but also the claims about apple cider vinegar is that it is just a miracle worker. People like to claim that, you know, if you take a shot of apple cider vinegar every morning, all of your health dreams will come true. You'll lose massive amounts of weight. Like all these magical things will happen. Not that 
losing massive amounts of weight as magical things, but these are the things that they're promising. Yeah. And it's just not true. There is no one food item, pill, powder, juice, cleanse, shot, whatever you want to call it, that will magically make your health dreams come true. It's never going to make up for a well-balanced, healthy diet Mm -hmm. and movement. Agreed. Yeah. And, and we did do a little bit of research beforehand and looked at mm-hmm. some, some studies because there are a couple studies that say, yeah, um, it does cause weight loss when also like on a calorie restricted diet. So on a low calorie diet with the apple cider vinegar, it has caused it in a couple of studies, but there are a lot of studies that also say that it doesn't work. So keeping in mind, there's a, there's variation in a lot of contradicting information. A lot of contradicting, contradictory information. And keep in mind here, you know, weight loss does not equal health. <laughs> so first of all, you're drinking this thing that – have you ever drunk it, April? No. Uh, okay. It looks gross. It, it is really so gross. Me. I, I, I did mean, I think it. I've had it like in things. Yeah, and thing I love making um, apple cider vinegar like dressing, like salad dressing. Yeah, I've had it in salad dressing. Yeah, very good in salad dressing. On its own, uh, uh-uh. I definitely I was there, Terrible. like deep in eating disorder, Kelsey. I tried it and it was, ooh, it's awful. And yeah, it does definitely decrease your appetite because it tastes so bad, <laughs> and you don't want to eat anything, and your throat's on fire. So that yeah, terrible. Um, that's not healthy. <laughs> having that feeling of not that's not good um and so yeah what I'm saying is weight loss does not equal health here or ever Mm -hmm. um that number on the scale is just your gravitational pull it's a measure of your gravitational pull to this earth (laughs) it doesn't show your value it doesn't show your worth it doesn't show how healthy really you are there are so Mm -hmm. many other things that go into health than that number if anything I would say that number is like one of the least important things when looking at health. so one of my favorite things to point out about weight is first of all that it doesn't tell you your relationship with food Mm -hmm. so even if you're at the weight you want to be at you could have a terrible relationship with food and that is something that isn't very important as well. But it also doesn't tell your body composition either. So I always like to ask people if they come to me and they say, I want to lose weight. I want to be at this number. I'm like, okay, what if, what it, you know, wh- when you lose weight, when you say you want to lose weight, what are you picturing as the end result? What do you really want out of that weight loss? Because if all you were doing was just seeing numbers changing and you were exactly the same, I doubt that you'd be focusing on weight loss. So what is it you really want? And most of the time people say they want body composition change. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So you want to tone, you want to build muscle, you want to feel better, have more energy. So if your weight stayed exactly the same or even went up higher, but you had body composition change or you felt better in your clothes or you had more energy, you had all these things that you really want from the weight loss, how would you feel? And it's just a really interesting question because we just – as a society, you're so hyper-focused on those three numbers when really it doesn't mean a whole lot. And most people are like, really think about it. And they're like, actually, like I would be okay with that because I would have really what I want from all of this, which is maybe body composition change or better relationship with food or better energy. And weight loss isn't the end all be all. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. 
And I think the most important thing to remember too, like we've talked about in the research segments that there's one study that points out that it could have possibly worked for a group of people in addition to calorie restriction. That doesn't mean anything in the research world. You need a lot of studies proving the exact same thing over and over again with large amount of participants. And one study just doesn't cut it for me. I agree. Yeah. Not, not enough for solid evidence there. And keeping in mind too, you know, if you're forcing yourself to have this thing that it's really gross guys, it's really nasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Not, not sustainable, not long-term. Yeah. And there's so many other factors that go into this as well. When we look at those studies and we look at um, any weight loss study in general, usually weight loss studies look at the intervention and the weight of the participants. Very few of them look at all of the hundreds of things that actually go into our health. Um, and that number on the scale can change because of anything. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay if that number changes. But really, it shouldn't be the main focus. There are so <laughs> many things that go into it. Um right. Which is why I love kind of what you talked about as well, kind of looking at all the other things that all the factors. Yeah, I always like to leave people. There's a mosquito stalking me. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> are you getting eaten up? I think so. Did you get it? Sorry, I had to do a temporary pause. No. <laughs> Anyways, what I like to say, and I want to leave everybody with today as we wrap up because I think we've been talking for like 18 hours I just is that everybody thinks I love talking to you too everybody thinks that being healthy living a healthy lifestyle means you have to be starving and you have to eat foods you don't like yeah that is not true you should never be starving you should be if you're hungry you should be eating and just because you're healthy doesn't mean you're always eating things you don't like yeah. And that's the beginning and the end of it. You hit it right on the head. I wish everyone knew that. Hopefully they do. <laughs> Hopefully now they do. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in for our second official episode of Taste Buds. Yay! Yay. Keep uh, keep an eye out because our next episode will be on carbs, which is exciting. We're talking uh, about all things carbs. All things carbs. All of the questions, all of the... I don't know. All of all of your things about it. If you have any questions, please um, let us know. There is a mm-hmm. link in our bio on our Instagram page where you can ask questions and you can visit our YouTube channel and you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts on there too. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to wait and leave a review. We love yes. feedback. And feedback is awesome and it really, it really helps us out. Yes. Thank you guys. Sweet. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.